When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we have a good show for you guys today. Obviously, we are in the dead zone of the offseason for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for the entirety of the NHL. The one thread left to pull is the Eric Carlson deal, and we actually have a pretty significant report for the first time in, I don't know, two weeks on the Eric Carlson sweepstakes. We'll get into that in the opening segment, but we're also going to talk a little bit about which behooves the Penguins the most, a hot start or a strong finish. We'll discuss that, as well as a new updated segment of Name That Statline. We have a new name for it because, you know what, we were on around the 412 last week and Zachary Smith, good old Smitty, he had a good point. So we're going to rename that segment when we get to it in a couple of minutes, aka like 40 minutes. But let's start here. The Penguins aren't willing to overpay for Eric Carlson Horowat. Is that not music to your ears? Good. It's, you know, because Carlson's not necessarily a player you need, right? You don't need him, but he would sure help so much uh, when it comes to Scoring on the blue line, scoring on the power play, and bringing a, a level of star power that this team doesn't have, and that this fan base, given what happened last season, kind of wants and needs just to put butts in seats. We know Pittsburgh fans can be fickle as hell and aren't usually fond of going to watch losing teams. Uh, not that, not that the Penguins had attendance issues. This past season, there were a couple of games where it was a not a ghost town, but there were a couple of games this past season where you could visibly tell there was fewer tickets out than normal. Um, but you know, it's still gonna sell. But sometimes after a trend of losing in the first round and then missing the playoffs altogether, you need something to bring the casual fan back. And you know what does that? Three-time Norris Trophy winner, the reigning Norris Trophy winner. Uh, who just got off of a historic season from the blue line, Eric Carlson. And you don't need him, though, because you're still trying to win with what you have and grow with what you have. Also, he costs $11 million, $11.5 million, I should say. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into the details. It's good that we're not willing to overpay because there's a lot of ifs 
that could happen as well. So, I mean, I'm glad Marcus Pedersen's not on the table. We're glad that multiple first-round picks don't seem to be on the table. And we'll see where it goes from there. It looks like just the Sharks need to bend the knee with their... I don't want to call it hardball necessarily, but it's hardball, which is weird for them. And I'll get into why it's weird for them. Yeah, of course. And obviously this all comes from Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff. He mentioned yesterday, quote, the Sharks are still looking for a significant return, but they haven't found one team willing to give them anywhere close to that. So it's not just the Pittsburgh Penguins that are not willing to overpay for Eric Carlson. It is the entire league looking at Mike Greer and the San Jose Sharks and saying, listen, you're not in a position to ask for that much. And we're not going to sit here and bid over top of each other when both teams know that he's not worth multiple first round picks. He's not worth the top tier prospects. He's not worth a great NHL caliber player right now. Because he doesn't want to play there. He can only go to a finite amount of teams because at the end of the day, he has a full no movement clause. He's 33 years old and he has an $11.5 million cap hit for the next four seasons. You're not just trying to fit that under for this year. Four seasons. Yes, Eric Carlson, like you mentioned, he is a luxury when you get him onto your team. Once the dust settles and the salary cap is less of a factor because the season has started and you have the team on paper that you need, then it's just about maneuvering if you need to add later in the the regular season. Once you get him there, he's a luxury. But it's not a luxury you're willing to pay for a top dollar, right? It's It's a 1970s Corvette, but... The engine is the original one from the 1970s. I'm not going to pay $100,000 for this car when the pieces could break down and I could lose a lot of money on it, right? So the fact that this isn't a bidding war is great for the Penguins. It's great for the Hurricanes. It's great for whoever wants to acquire Eric Carlson. It's pretty much great for everybody except Mike Greer and the San Jose Sharks organization. Yeah, you're willing to pay, right? You're like, like with that Corvette reference, you are willing to pay for. You're willing to pay something, right? Because there is that chance that it turns out to be great. It brings you phenomenal things. You are willing to pay something, but you don't want to be the one that overpays and it turns into a disaster. Because even retained, eleven and a half million dollars is a lot of money, and whatever the retention might be. I think that might be the big holdup with Mike Greer on his side. He doesn't want to go past 20%. And to that, I ask why. And I'm just going di- to... I don't know why he's digging in his heels because the San Jose Sharks already have already have $5 million in cap space. Right? Who, are you, who do you have to sign? Who's sitting on your cap friendly? I'm... I have their thing pulled up. Who's sitting on your roster that doesn't have a contract that you need to sign? Tomas Hurdle has his $8 million paid out until forever. Logan Kocher has his $8 million paid out until probably the end of his career. You're waiting to sign Matt LeBlanc next, Kevin LeBlanc next year? Is that what you're waiting on? Sorry. Slip of the tongue there. And it's also LeBanc, 0 for 2. Are you waiting to sign Kevin LeBanc? Is that what the holdup is? Because he's going to demand way more north of 
Who who on your roster do you do you need to pay? You already don't have Brent Burns. Vlasic's gonna retire soon, you hope, right? He's already overpaid. Who do you have to who who on your roster, Mike Greer, do you have to pay that you need all eleven million dollars off the cap? You're already five million under. You're gonna be a hell of a lot more under once you drop. Let's say it's fifty percent. Let's say you somehow get Mike Greer to bend the knee entirely and hold fifty percent. Suddenly you have eleven million dollars of cap space to work with, Mike Greer. What is what's why 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 can't for four more years? You're gonna gain the cap's supposed to go up next year, and with your Martin Jones buyout, you're gaining another million and some odd some odd dollars next year. Mm. What's your holdup with this with this retention thing? That's what I want to know. Why can't you just let that one be? It is a tough position for Mike Greer. I mean, this is still, generally speaking, a rookie general manager. He was hired on July 5th of last year. He's having to sell off a player coming off of a stellar season, yet that doesn't have anywhere close to the value that anybody else in the league. I mean, you ask, you know, this player scored 102 points. This player won one of the major awards in the National Hockey League, and you're not going to get a first-round pick for him? Yeah, it's because it's the nature of the league right now Mm -hmm. and the financial nature of the league in a still semi-flat cap era. It only went up $1 million, as you've mentioned. It's a tough position, but it's not like while he's a rookie general manager when it comes to time, it's not like he hasn't sold off pieces that are pretty massive before. He sold off Brent Burns Mm -hmm. last summer. Two prospects and a third-round pick. Brent Burns went on to have a really good season for the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm sure Mike Greer wishes he would have gotten a little bit more in retrospect in that deal. Sold off Timo Meyer at the trade deadline to the New Jersey Devils. Got four players in return for that deal, including that one that is now in the Pittsburgh Penguins and Andreas Janssen. But he also got three draft picks. So he got a pretty good return for Timo Meyer there. So now you're looking at this as the third and probably the final big sell that he needs to do to really kick off his, you know, his rebuild. And yes, he has cold feet because this is his last chance to really accrue assets at a major level. Yes, you could trade off Tomas Hurdle, but the, the Sharks have already kind of mentioned that they don't want to do that. They don't want to go that far. Logan Couture is still there, but are you really going to trade away your captain? I mean, when do you get to that point? Because this is really the last piece that Greer has to sell off before he starts really making that rebuild. So he's trying to get every last little piece of value out of this deal. And right now, he's just not getting it in return from these other teams because they see that, right? They see that position. And the only thing I can think of, Horwat, to counteract your point of why is he so worried about going from 20% retained to 30% retained? I mean, he is still retaining $2.7 million of Brent Burns for the next two years. So do you really want to retain at that point $7 million in dead cap space for two great defensemen? I, when you're, here's the other thing. Are you, is your team expected to win this year? No. Well, I'm because I don't want to sit because he's, he's doing the right thing. He's doing his job, right? Mike Greer is doing his job. He's trying to retain as little as possible on a player he's getting rid of and, re- and recoup as much as you can. That's what you're supposed to do. He's doing his job. From our standpoint, though, truthfully, why do you need to recoup? Well, not recoup as much, but why do you need to retain as little as possible? I get, yeah, you're already paying nearly $3 million for Brent Burns for two more seasons. 
that cap's supposed to go up a lot next year. Do we all believe this? I mean, I don't yet, but we're we're all said and being told to believe the cap is supposed to go up by what's the number next year? Like four by four. Suddenly, you don't realize that uh, you're paying Brent Burns two seven two. Like I said, you're getting an extra million three. Well, you're getting an extra one point three from the Martin Jones buyout. So you're getting five point three million dollars. You yourself, the San Jose Sharks, next season. If all goes according to plan. Actually, and also, if, if you really want to count pennies, Rudolph Balsers will also be completely off of their buyout history. <laughs> There's an extra $300,000. Congratulations. Now you're up to $2, million, two extra million dollars, basically. I mean, the cash... It, and also, when you're not supposed to win, you're not going to win. Because, like I said, who, do you, who here on this roster needs to be paid? Barabanov? Yeah. He's not going to demand more than... He's making 275 now, I think. Sorry, just 25. What's he going to demand? <laughs> not much. Yeah. You can afford yeah. to retain some salary, especially if it's under 50. You know, if you keep it under 50, that's fine. You're still going to have plenty of space to play with. Like I said, you already have $5 million. You know what the Penguins would do with $5 million extra dollars right now? Probably buy Eric Carlson. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's... That's just my point of view looking at this. Just what, why do you need to be that good of a businessman, I guess? I mean, I get it. You're doing your job. It's what you're supposed to do. But from the Penguins' point of view, they're right. Hold steady on your low ball offer because he doesn't, Eric Carlson said, he doesn't want to play there. It seems like he hasn't talked with Mike Greer in a number of weeks. And he knows what he's worth. He knows what opportunities are out there and it's up to Mike Greer to be the good rookie general manager that he is and <laughs> uh, let his future Hall of Famer go get a chance to win because everyone should know that's just not going to happen in San Jose. Yeah. The question then becomes, Horwat, how long do you think is too long for the Penguins to wait for this? Because it seems as if Mike Greer has kind of buried his heels in the sand here and said, you know what, I want something significant in return, and if you're not going to give it to me, this guy has four years left on his contract, I'm just going to keep him under contract. Like, yeah, that, that could work against the Penguins as well. Like, hey, you're not trying to win the next couple of years. What's it matter if you have that dead cap? And he's like, you're right. I'm not trying to win the next couple of years. What's it matter if I just hold it? You have to win in the next couple of years. Are you willing to just let this go by the wayside? Or do you want to just throw in a little extra? I, I mean, it's it's a standoff right now. Mm -hmm. And Mike Greer has dug his heels in and says he wants something significant, according to Frank Saravalli. How long is too long for Kyle Dubas to wait for this? You know, that's a great question. Because there's been a lot of, from a Penguins fan's perspective, a lot of how long is too long to wait this offseason already. You know, how long is too long to wait for Kyle Dubas to make the decision? Remember that week we had where it was, hey, he met with Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh at the facility. All right, like two weeks later, we got the announcement, it seemed. It's a lot of how long are we willing to wait for people to make decisions? How long, right now, are the Penguins willing to wait on Eric Carlson. I mean, like I said before, you don't necessarily need him. So maybe you're able to wait into the season. You know, who knows? It's I don't know how much of our offseason really is being halted and held up by this anymore because we can ice a team. 
It's not like we are, it's not like the Penguins are out of options and need him to fill out the roster. We can ice a team right now. It's not like we made, it's not like they made many changes on defense. Uh, the forward cores, I mean, we, we're just, the Penguins are still waiting on Drew O'Connor. That's about it. That's about it. I think we could wait until the season. Don't want to. You want to get this done before that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are that dead set on acquiring Eric Carlson for whatever it's worth, you might be able to wait until the season. You just might be able to. Plus, bonus, you get to see how he's doing this year if you get that far in, right? Yeah. You kind of get to see There's... how his first 10 games go. Yeah, there, there's a chance that his value goes lower. Exactly. If that happens. I mean, will he even play? I mean, we've seen NFL players do, you know, training camps are starting this week. We've seen a bunch of them that are saying, you know, Chandler Jones or Chris Jones or whoever. Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman. I think it's Chris Jones. Didn't show up, didn't report for training camp. He wants $30 million or something like that. Yeah, a ridiculous amount for a defensive lineman. I say a uh, non-skill one- player? Interesting. Saquon Barkley just signed a one-year deal. Uh, so there's that as well. Like, the, the, he could have sat out. He could have decided not to show up. What does Eric Carlson do? It's not something that happens very often in the NHL. It's something that happens more often in the NFL, something that can happen in the NBA too. But does he say, you know what, I don't want to get injured playing for a team that I don't want to be with. So I'm just going to stay in Sweden and you can find me. Like, I don't... I don't know what Eric Carlson would do in that situation, but I do know one thing. Something has to happen on August 4th, right? Drew O'Connor, whether it's done before, like whether it's done or not, he will be under a contract. Mm-hmm. Whether that's his award or what the team wants or the arbitration will come to a close, which also means they have to make a decision on Mikhail Granlund. Do they want to buy him out? Do they want to keep him under a roster? And what does that do to this entire situation? I would say if it gets to August 4th and Mike Greer is still like, I'm not doing it, then as Frank Saravalli said on that podcast yesterday, all right, I'll see you during the season. Yep. You got a team to prepare at that point for the season. We're going to worry about the guys here. If you want to talk and you want to be serious about this, you know you have my number. Mm -hmm. Right? So... I think that if, if you get to the point where it's August 4th, I know training camp doesn't start till September, you say, here's my offer. If you want to actually seriously consider it, you can give me a call. If not, I'm going to start working on other things. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I would do yeah. personally. So and, uh, I'm just happy Kyle Dubas isn't willing to go out there and say, hey, first round pick and Owen Pickering and um, Valtteri Pustinen and you know maybe a second round pick like he's not giving away all of those assets for Eric Carlson which is, I think is a great thing for the organization yeah and like Saravalli said this isn't a deal that looks like it's going to require multiple first rounders it's probably one which like I said you're willing to pay a little bit for the three-time Norris Trophy winner you're willing to do that so one first round pick is perfectly okay you want that salary retention to move a little bit uh you do have decisions to make with Drew O'Connor. Um, and I forgot where I was going with this, but it's the nature of just the Penguins want to get this deal done. But if it has to go into the season, let it roll. We have a team to prepare, so do you. And there, it's the Penguins have the blessings of the right guys, too. Mm-hmm. Crystal Tang willing to 
adjust his position on the power play. Maybe not the first line position, but that's okay. Yeah, Pedersen and Carlson. I've been touting that one for a little while now. That could be a great pairing if those two play together. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Carlson wants to hold out, seems like it, that kind of thing won't happen, but it's very possible. Also, it because he is a trade asset now for the Sharks, they could hold him out. We saw that a couple times this past trade deadline. Yeah, so it's becoming a bit more of a prominent thing in the NHL too. But uh, at that point, really, what are you doing? Because now you're just sticking in, and no one's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting situation, and and trust me, listeners, if you're tired of hearing us talk about this, we're getting tired of talking about it. You know, but when there's significant news. Uh, there is significant news, and the the Pittsburgh Penguins not willing to overpay for Eric Carlson. So too goes the Carolina Hurricanes. So too goes anybody else that could be in the shadows, also in the sweepstakes. Is an interesting little caveat here that Mike Greer is the one holding this up at this point. So we'll see how that happens. See if any more reports come out, and uh, hopefully we have a conclusion to this before August fourth. That would be uh, rather nice. But we're gonna take a quick break. When we return, hot start. Or strong finish, which one would behoove the Penguins the most? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, we're still July to October, like two and a half months shy of the start of the 2023-24 season. Last year, the Pittsburgh Penguins obviously absolutely red hot first two games, blowing out the Arizona Coyotes in the season opener, blowing out the Tampa Bay Lightning in the second game, and then... A couple good games after that, they just fell off a cliff and had one of the worst losing streaks the franchise has seen in over a decade. So the question then becomes, would you rather the Pittsburgh Penguins this season get off to a hot start or finish strong? Last year, as I mentioned, it was a viciously mediocre start and finish for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, that's the best way that I could describe it because their first 10 games, they went 4-4-2. and two. 37 goals scored, 36 goals allowed for a plus one goal differential. The last 10 games of the season last year, when they were fighting for a playoff spot, mind you, 5-4-1, 31 goals scored, 31 goals allowed, and an even goal differential. Viciously mediocre Mm -hmm. to start and finish the season last year. Which would be more important this season, getting off to a hot start or finishing strong? You're going to have to finish strong. That's always the way it goes. It's all, I mean, you could have the strong start as well. You're going to want both no matter what, obviously. But you can't end the season on a low note and expect to do uh, big things in the postseason if you make it or uh, just have a successful s- season in general. You need to have that strong ending to solidify who you are as a team. Post-trade deadline, that's the team you're going and riding into the postseason with. Uh, so just having that strong finish is what makes differences. I mean, how many times have we seen it uh, you know, when the cup is getting handed out? Well, here's where the St. Louis Blues were at Christmas. You know, 
near the bottom of the league. Here's where the Penguins were uh, in 2016 when they fired their head coach and brought in the stud goaltender from the minors and Matt Murray. They were near the bottom of the league. And then, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of starts technically which each of those teams had when it comes to the first month of the season. But at one point or another, they were clearly near the basement of the league and had that strong finish to push them not only into the playoffs, but all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So it in that sort of term, it's way more important to have uh, the strong finish than it is a hot start. Hot starts are great. And honestly, if if you take the smaller sample size, the Penguins got off to a really hot start, right? 4-0-1 in the first five. Mm-hmm. Looked yeah. really good in games one and two, winning by what looks like the biggest margins they did all season. Can't blow those two in the first game and first two games and then can't do much the rest of the season. But I would consider I would consider the start to have been hotter than the close this past season, I would say at least. Last season, the Pittsburgh Penguins were the best word to describe it for me would be volatile. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said they're four zero and one. Then they lost seven straight. Then they got really hot. Then they lost, I think, seven straight again. Yeah. Or they had another really long losing streak. And then they got, you know, highs, lows, highs, lows the entire way through the season. But at the end of the day, the lows ended up being more than the highs, and they missed the postseason for the first time in sixteen years. Mm-hmm. And normally, I would agree with you. Listen, you need to be playing your best hockey at the end of the season if you want to win a Stanley Cup, because at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. The Pittsburgh Penguins aren't just trying to make it back to the postseason. They're trying to win a Stanley Cup, and whether you believe they have the team to do it or not, they're going to need to be performing well to end the season. And typically, I'd be right there with you. That's way more important that the way than the way you start. But considering this season, and the way that this team is constructed, they need a hot start. You can't fall behind the eight ball this season, specifically if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, because of the rest of your division. And, not to mention, the rest of the conference is going to be difficult to, to get through as well. If you fall behind these teams and you're chasing with a... 36-year-old Sidney Crosby, a 37-year-old Evgeny Malkin, and we know it's going to be the oldest team in hockey. If you're trying to chase and you're trying to overexert those guys because they just they're out of a playoff spot come March 1st, they're out of a playoff spot come Valentine's Day. Then you have to overexert those guys. We saw what happened last year. They just couldn't get the job done. You need to get a good start. And no, it's not just the first 10 games. It's certainly not the first five. We saw what happened last year. You need to start off really, really well if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. It's more important that you get to that. And then if you find some struggles later in the season, you're in a better position. But the Pittsburgh Penguins in particular, this season, they need to get ahead of the pack. Maybe not in first place because there's some really good teams, especially in the Metro. The Devils, I think, are going to be good again this year. Uh, The Rangers, I'm not sure what to think about them, but on paper, they're still a good team and they have one of the best goaltenders in hockey. Mm -hmm. So looking at this conference, you can't fall behind the eight ball because there's going to be a lot of teams that you need to jump if you get off to a slow start. That's fair, too. Because when you look at having a strong finish, if that is coupled with a slow start... Uh, that is assuming however many teams in front of you just fall off the map. You know, you do have to look around at everyone else 
in your division, in your conference, uh, to see where things stack up. Especially in, once again, a difficult metropolitan division. Uh, it'll be not an easy run. The Penguins will have to, and when you when you say it needs to be a strong start, it needs to be a strong like first half of the season. It needs to go yeah. 41 plus to really set yourself into uh, a good position to uh, reach the postseason and not you know get too far behind the eight ball. It's you'd have to in through the first 41 you maybe want to be I'm not good at this sort of thing. <laughs> Obviously where over. are the where in the standings? You don't you don't yeah. have to talk about the record. Top where are the standings should they be? You would need to exactly. be in the top 3. You would can't be in a wild card spot. You can't be hunting for uh like we were last season in that eight spot and in the nine, sometimes in the 10, sometimes we would go up to the seven, never in that top three last year though. So it's a matter of maintaining uh, the success through the first half of the season, uh, legitimately up until the all-star break. Probably it's, I mean, this is eventually turning into, well, you have to have a good full 82 game season, which of course, you do. yes, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, getting, not getting too far behind the eight ball is going to be key as well. Yeah, when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're a team that really, just in general, they can't afford to chase. Like, I, I said that already, and it's just like, I cannot hammer that home enough, because last year, like, you were chasing the Panthers, and for the most part, the Panthers hadn't had a good season. And what helped the Panthers? They, they rattled off six games in their last eight, and they won six straight. And then they still lost their last two, but they were fine because the Pittsburgh Penguins, they lost to who? They lost to the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> at home. And then they lost a meaningless game to the Columbus Blue Jackets, the two teams that picked first and third in the 2023 NHL draft. So, yes. Would it be nice if the Pittsburgh Penguins finished strong? Yeah. But I don't think that they can afford to be behind the eight ball, especially because team morale. I mean, you, you missed the playoffs. You have this you know, fresh air feeling with new management in the front office. If you come out and you lay a dud early on in the season, that's going to get ugly. Like that's going to get ugly. Cause people are going to say all these changes, you switch up the bottom six, you add Ryan Graves, you bring back. Oh my goodness. If you bring back Tristan Jari and he looks bad in the first 10 games of the season, that city might burn down in Pittsburgh. Like I might be very happy to be covering the team from a different state mm -hmm. because if Tristan Jari is trash for the first quarter of the season the first 10 percent of the season even if we go shorter than that it's gonna be ugly so for morale and just for positioning i, I think they need a hot start but i agree with you what you said about eight and a half minutes ago <laughs> realistically you need both correct but if you had to choose one you know you're covering back half i'm covering front half and i just think that you know this team for morale's sake of everybody uh, they just they need to get off to a good start in the next season. Yeah, listen, nabbing Eric Carlson would do a lot for morale. It would. It would Correct. do a ton. It, but it you're, it's going to shoot right back down because, you know, let's say, you get into the season. We got Eric Carlson on the team. We somehow managed to pull that off. <laughs> and here we are. First 10 games in, it's a, it's a bunch of duds. Tristan Jari doesn't have his game. Maybe Eric Carlson's doing perfectly fine, but he's not blowing our minds uh and every other player on the t every other core member on the team is playing like 35 plus year olds because that's what they are uh suddenly you're right this city is burning down or at least the penguins fans are burning down the city 
it won't be a fun time, and there that will absolutely shoot team morale. And not only that, Kyle Dubas' name will not leave any of our mouths. It yeah. won't. It'll all be, how is Kyle going to fix this? Because we do, I would assume, he's got a seven-year contract. I would assume we all believe in him. I mean, uh, slow. We'll, we'll immediately be talking about this again and going, we need that strong finish, guys. We need that strong finish, <laughs> and we need every team ahead of us in the Metro and Atlanta. And, uh, Metro and Atlantic to fall back behind somehow. But, I mean, Kyle Dubas is going to be a big lynch, linchpin for a lot of, mm-hmm. lot of a lot discussion. Of conversation. Yeah, a lot of discussion this upcoming season of, yeah, was the Jari deal correct? Is acquiring Carlson the right idea? How about this bottom six that isn't much younger but, and also, but also doesn't play offense? There's also the defense. Everything's still up in the air. That list of issues that were rising last season it only got a little bit smaller uh it's still there but as of right now we all have faith in Kyle Dubas we haven't seen a second of season yet so yeah we can't really make the call of what's a disaster or what's not yet yeah you can only take off-season moves for what they are they're they're contracts they're contracts that you haven't seen the team as constructed hit the ice at the same time once because they haven't. Mm-hmm. They haven't. They just, they just haven't done that. At the end of the day, in my in my eyes, you just want to be able to control your own destiny. And the way you do that is you get off to a hot start and you build the momentum from the beginning of the season on. Yes, you're going to have lulls. It's an 82-game season. Nobody is perfect throughout the entirety of the season except for maybe the Boston Bruins last year. We saw how that ended up going <laughs> for them losing in the, the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just... For me in particular, you know, selfishly, I hate when it's like, okay, well, I guess I got to watch the Islanders play the Senators tonight and the Senators need to win. It's just like, Jesus, I'd rather you just win. And that's why it kind of stung so much last year whenever it was, hey, you just need to win your last two games against these two bad teams and they lost both of them. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was that was a disaster way to end the season. And <laughs> it's still hilarious knowing the ripple effect that happened with that Chicago loss. I mean... Yeah. Florida Panthers fans, you're welcome, first of all. <laughs> Given you the, a run that you may never forget unless you somehow won up at this upcoming season because your team should still be decent enough, assuming Dabrowski is still standing on his head. Uh, but, uh, I mean, and then the Blackhawks picking first because of the uh, that, that ripple effect, that butterfly effect is so incredible. Yeah. It is interesting, and that is why we love professional sports. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, name that stat line, a.k.a. I will tell you the title after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're going to play a little Name That Stat Line, and now, officially titled, Nick's Numbers. It's a little bit easier to say, a little bit less of a mouthful, and which Nick, whose numbers, that's up to you to decide. We really don't care. Uh, It is Nick's Numbers. This time, we are going to be talking about Penguins players during championship seasons. Both regular season and playoff stats, Horwat. And if you are new to this segment, what it is is I give a stat line. Horwat has three opportunities to guess who 
that player could be. Are you ready for the first one, Horwat? For the artist formerly known as... <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, yes, the artist formerly known as blank had 89 total points in this championship season 35 goals 54 assists horwat can you name that player and it really is just a bone dry stat line too because it's not no games played which is good you told me that beforehand also not mm-hmm. getting the year which is also beneficial for you but 89 total points in the matter of an entire regular and postseason. oh that makes it difficult it does make it a little bit difficult how about this uh you do get an idea <laughs> and you do get a little bit of a lifeline and i will tell you which era of penguins hockey as your your clue if you do indeed ask for it sorry because i'm also forgetting that there's the 90s involved my head stopped at three i don't know why now it's all right yeah there's five stanley cups for the yeah. Pittsburgh penguins if you need to know what years they are they're literally right behind me <laughs> yeah i think i have uh, i'm pretty well aware what years they are um 89 total points mm-hmm. how many goals did you say 35 combined i want to say brian Trottier, but i feel like that was a bit because he was older i want to say that's just a bit much mm-hmm. but i want to stay in that era and i don't know why who was on those teams who was on those teams for 35 total goals. <laughs> is it Paul Coffey in 91? That's an undersell. What am I saying? That is not Paul Coffey yeah. in 1991. That's strike one for you, Horwat. You got two more on this name. Paul Coffey probably put up like 90 points in that regular season. I'll look that up because that's... I think Paul Coffey had a very good season that year. <laughs> the second I said Paul Coffey, he's like, that's not correct. But I will stick defenseman for attempt number two and say Larry Murphy. It is not Larry Mur- Murphy. All right. Can I get the year? The year is the 1990-91 Pittsburgh Penguins. If you say Brian Schrodinger, I'm hucking my coffee across the room. (laughs) (laughs) And that's going to be my third Uh, guess. uh, It is not Brian Schrodinger. In 1990-91 season, combined in the playoffs and the regular season, 89 points, 35 goals, 54 assists, was Mario Lemieux. Um, I I was going to say Yager. That's... he missed some time Correct. to Mario Lemieux in that season. Scored 45 points in the regular season, playing only 26 games. Scored 44 points in the postseason in 23 games. What a nuthouse. <laughs> what a crazy stat line. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? Oh, well, 45 points in 26 games. That's great. Let's see what he can do in the playoffs. Oh, he just almost matched it in three less games. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. 44 points in 23 games en route to the first Stanley Cup in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you would have split those numbers, that would, that would have made it way easier. Just here's here are the regular season, but that's why it's combined. That's hilarious. That's why it's combined. Wow, that's what a nuthouse. Paul Coffey had 93 points in the regular season that year. Okay. I mean, without and Mario, he had, he had to carry the load, I guess. I mean, Yager was there, but he was points. a rookie. Ron Francis. Yeah, and he had 11 points in the uh, playoffs. And Ron Francis was traded halfway through, so. Yes. Wow. And Coffee was hurt that postseason, I believe. I didn't see how many games played. I should have looked at it, but um, potentially. I won't. I won't go look <laughs> because I don't want to accidentally see another number. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, he was also injured for some of that postseason. That is something we'll have to go check and let us know in the comments uh, if you do have the answer to that question. But are you ready for number two, Horwat? You're 0 for one today. Oh. That's a not a, not a great start. <laughs> That's all right. Let's go. 
All right, this player had 149 total points in this regular plus-plus season. 49 goals and 100 assists on the button. Who is that Pittsburgh Penguin? How many total points did you say it was? 149 total points. Uh, That's... I know one of the big stupid stat lines that's been floating around recently is Malkin's 2009 Cup run because it was because mm. he's the only player to do 35 since Gretzky in the year he lost with LA. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna stick with Malkin because that just seems like 149 minus 35. Quick math, Ugh, difficult number. It's over 100 something though. I forget what he had that season, so I'm gonna go with Malkin though. Uh, 149 minus 35 would be 114 points. And it is Evgeny Malkin uh, from the Mm 2008-2009 season. He scored one of the most memorable hat tricks in Pittsburgh Penguins postseason history. Uh, Yeah, Evgeny Malkin was ridiculous in 2008-2009. Hashtag people forget how good he was just in general uh, from the time he entered the league and, you know, honestly throughout his entire career. But go from then to 2013 or the 2012-2013 season and just realize how good Evgeny Malkin was throughout that stretch, even though he did suffer some injuries during that time period as well. But 149 total points. He had a 100 assists on the dot between the regular and postseason, as I believe at that point he was a 21-year-old. Yeah. So, Yeah, 21. And also, when's the last time someone picked up 100 assists in a single season anyway? I mean, uh, did McDavid do it this past season? Did he? Combined? I oh, well, combined. I mean, right. Well, that's what. Yeah, I know that's yeah, the this, name this, of the this game. This was here, combined. I'm just kind of like shooting from the top here. Like, who's. He had. McDavid had 89 assists in the regular season this past year. It's stupid, by the yeah, way. The, the, <laughs> there's no way he didn't have 11 assists in the postseason. He had 12. 101 total, but guess what? He didn't win the Stanley Cup, so... He didn't break out of the second round, which... Good lord. Good lord, that team. Anyway, that's not yeah, what we're that is, uh, <laughs> that's Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting discussion to kind of look at what they've been doing as a team over there. But uh, last one, you are now 1-1. One one. Can you get a winning record on this one, Horwat? 54 total points. 29 of them goals. 25 of them assists. Which Pittsburgh Penguins player is that? 29 total goals through a regular and postseason. Here we go, falling back into defensemen. No, it couldn't be. That's still a lot, even if even for the 90s players, and I know we just discussed Paul Coffey putting up a lot more points than that. Mm-hmm. X that one out. Well, and here's the other thing. More goals than assists for a defenseman? That's a good point. Well, that was the 90s. Uh, that's a good point, too, though. Um, more goals and assists. I want to fall to Max Talbot, 2009 hero, but we haven't touched this new era yet. We haven't, no, by new era, I mean almost 10 years ago, but we haven't touched the new era yet. I'm going to jump to the new one and say Connor Sheary. It was not Connor Sherry, Sheary, whatever his name is. That's, I don't even know why that's the name that came to my head, but in... Oh, more goals and assists. Also sticking with the new era because what was the goal number again? 29. 29. Jake Gensel. It is Jake Gensel oh. in the 2016-17 season. Because he didn't play that Tw- whole 16-17 season. He did not. <clears throat> he played, uh, let me double check how many games he played, but he scored 54 points. 
scoring 29 of them as goals. He was compared to Dino Cicerelli the entire time throughout that postseason because let's not forget, not only was Jake Gensel just good overall throughout that postseason, but Jake Gensel was amazing in that opening series that year against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was just absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal, scoring a hat trick in on the road. I think it was game four against them that year, wasn't it? Ooh, I, no, because they lost game four. Okay. So it would have been like three or five. Gensel played 40 games in the regular season, scoring 16 goals and 33 points. As <laughs> That's, that's kind of ridiculous, too. 33 points in your first year. And the National Hockey League, I I do understand that he he played with Crosby by the end of the uh, end of that little run there, but still, but still, uh, thirty three points in forty games, and then he obviously had twenty one points in twenty five playoff games, including thirteen goals. Hmm. Huh. Well, it was ridiculous that year. Like for <clears throat> a half season rookie going into that kind of postseason, you're putting up those kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. That was incredible stuff, and. Pulling up those uh, Paul Coffey numbers. He only played 12 games that postseason. Okay, so he was injured. Yes. Assume, uh, yeah, because the Penguins played a ton. And I just forget which part he was injured for. I think it was the back half. I don't think he participated in uh, the cup finals. Could be wrong. That part I could be wrong on. But uh, still, just dumb, stupid numbers from Paul Coffey that season. Also, the Penguins were led by Mark Recchi that year in points. Because, like you said, they didn't have Lemieux for a lot of the season, and someone had to take over. It was Mark Recchi. Mm-hmm. Yager was still rookie that year? Yes. So, he hadn't blown up yet. Yeah. Paul Coffey appeared in five games in the Stanley Cup Final, by the way. So, the injuries were just there. <clears throat> yeah. Fair enough. Well, Horwat, you did end up going 2 of 3, which is a winning record, which is more than you could say about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, but... That is going to be it for this episode of the Zip the Iceberg podcast. We will sit and await more news, but regardless if there is news or not, you know we will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.